you have your Bibles, we'll be in uh, Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, and, uh, or you can turn to the Version app and follow along there. And while you're getting to Colossians chapter 1, uh, here we are, it's a new year, and uh, the new year often brings with it a time of reflection and a time of looking back and, and shaping your mindset for this coming year. And maybe for you this morning, you're sitting here and you're reflecting on 2022 and you're thinking, man, that year could not get out of here fast enough. It, it was a struggle. It was difficult. It was just thing after thing after thing after thing. And I just felt beat down and, and tested all year long. Or maybe you're here and you have mixed opinion on 2022. It, it, was, it was good sometimes. It was a little rough sometimes. I'm uh, in the middle. Um, hopefully uh, it'll be better, but I, I don't know. Maybe you're just kind of in the middle. Or maybe you are looking back at 2022 and you're thinking this was the, the best year ever. I achieved goals that I wanted to achieve. I'm, I'm doing better than I did the year before. And I'm looking at this year and I'm thinking, man, 2023, I've got momentum going into the new year. But I think the thing is this. No matter which one of those things we land on, we're coming into this year with the thought, this year is going to be different. This year is going to be different. Maybe you're thinking, man, uh, this past year was tough. Uh, it can't be any worse than it was last year. This year has to be, by association, better than last year. Or maybe you're looking and saying, well, there were some things that were good. There were some things that were bad. And those things that were bad, I'm going to work on those things. And I'm going to make this year even better than this past year. It's going to be different. Or maybe you're thinking, man, this year was so good. I've learned all these new things, and this year is going to be different. I'm going to take that momentum. I'm going to make this year even better than this year. We have all these desires for it to be different. And I think at the root of that is we just we want things to be better. Right? We want things to be better, and whatever the situation is, we want things to be better. And I, it, it's like the words of Benjamin Franklin. He said, be at war with your vices, at peace with your neighbors, and let every new year find you a better man. We want this year to be better. And so what do we do? Well, we set out to do these things that we call, or we make these goals, these resolutions. These resolutions. This year I'm going to do this. This year I'm going to do less of this. Maybe it's less sweets. Maybe it's, uh, you know, less... Um, I'll just say it. Maybe it's less excuses for why we can't do things. Uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe we say, hey, this year I'm going to be better with finances. Maybe this year I'm going to save more. I'm going to give more. You know, we set these resolutions and these goals. Former Canadian artist F.M. Knowles, he was kind of harsh when it came to the idea of resolutions. He once said, he who breaks a resolution is a weak one. He who makes one is a fool. Pretty harsh with his idea on resolutions and goals, but instead I like the words of G.K. Chesterton, who once said, the object of a new year is not that we should have a new year. It is that we should have a new soul and a new nose, new feet, a new backbone, new ears, and new eyes. 
Unless a particular man made a New Year's resolution, he would make no resolutions. Instead, a man starts, or unless a man starts afresh about things, he will certainly do nothing effective. And so this year, it's a new opportunity. It's a blank canvas. It's a new chance to be better, to set goals and resolutions. But this morning, I don't want to offer you a goal, and I don't want to offer you a resolution. Instead, I want to offer you a prayer. I want to offer you a prayer that Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. He writes this beautiful prayer for the people at the church at Colossae, and he, he's just this encouraging, encouraging prayer. And as you read through these words, we see that this isn't just a prayer. It's not just a prayer. This is the goal. This is the life that we need to be living. And this is something this morning, this prayer, that I would encourage you as we read through this, as we look through this, make this your prayer for the new year. Because in this prayer, we see how we should be living our lives. We see what we should be doing. And this shouldn't just be a prayer that we pray this year. No, this is something we should be doing each and every day from here on out, making sure that we are doing these things. And so what does Paul say? What is Paul's prayer? Well, we're going to start by looking at verses 9 through 11 in Colossians chapter 1. And this is what he says. He says, For this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience." So stop there for a little bit. There's a lot that happens uh, in this prayer. And so we're going to break it down little by little. And this is how it starts with this idea of being filled with the knowledge of God's will. This is something that we need to be praying this year, to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. He tells them, I, we never stop praying for you. We are constantly praying for you. This is something that Paul did for these churches that he was a part of. He, he prayed for them often, thought of them often, wanted to encourage them often, continually prayed for them. And he prays here, we ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Filled is a word that meant to be filled fully into completeness. Funny enough, this word filled was a word that was oftentimes used by false teachers, false uh, communicators in uh, Colossae who were trying to uh, disrupt the church. And so Paul takes this word and he hijacks it. And he says, be filled, be filled fully into completeness with the knowledge of God's will. This word knowledge, it carries the idea of full, deep, understanding deep understanding the word knowledge in the greek is actually translated full knowledge full knowledge and so paul is telling them be filled completely fully filled with the deep understanding of god's will man that is a big prayer and to be honest this prayer probably never leaves the lips of believers why because if we say god fill us completely with understanding of your will what does that mean? It means that our will has to be overcome, right? 
We need God's will in our life. We need to understand God's will, his plan, his purpose in our lives. And so for us to say, fill me with the knowledge of your will means replace the will that I have for myself. And that's a struggle for us, isn't it? Because we want God's will to match our will. I want to be able to do what I want, when I want, how I want, why I want, and it shouldn't matter. I want to live by my will, and that is a dangerous thing because a lot of times our will doesn't match up with God's will for us. And that's something that we need to pray. God, fill me completely with deep understanding of your will for my life, your purpose for my life, your plan for my life. Help me to not make it about what I want, but make it about what you want and what you have planned for me. And this is difficult, and so we need some help. We need help with this. And so Paul says that we pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will, and he gives us some ways to do that through wisdom and understanding, through wisdom and understanding that comes from the Spirit. That's how we get that's how we pray this. God, help me to understand your will, to be filled completely with the knowledge of your will. Well, we need help and we need wisdom. We need wisdom. And when he says wisdom, this is spiritual wisdom. This is not worldly wisdom. This is spiritual wisdom, the ability to discern what is right and wrong, what is good, what is bad, what is the right thing for us, and what is the wrong thing for us. This is spiritual wisdom. And here's the thing. We act so often like wisdom is this completely difficult thing to to get in our life and yet when you read scripture you see that god is very generous when it comes to giving us wisdom if we are willing to ask god god give me wisdom he's pretty generous with that james chapter 1 5 james tells us if any of you lacks wisdom you should ask god who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you he gives us wisdom we need to ask for it. And so he says, through the wisdom, and the second word he uses is the understanding. Wisdom is good, but guess what? We need understanding too. Understanding is the ability to take this wisdom and actually apply it. Wisdom without understanding doesn't do us any good if we don't know how to take that wisdom and understand what God is telling us to do and apply it to our lives. And so he says, ask for wisdom and understanding so that you can understand what you are supposed to do. You see, these two things are connected in Scripture. Deuteronomy 4.6 says, Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. And here's the thing. These two things, wisdom, understanding, and even knowledge, the knowledge of God's will, it all starts with one thing starts with the fear of the Lord. It starts by fearing the Lord, by respecting the Lord, by acknowledging who he is and, and how big and how powerful and how wise and how great he is. Fearing him, Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9-10 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning, or beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so it starts by fear of the Lord, respect, respecting who he is, acknowledging who he is. And so we need wisdom, we need understanding. And where does this come from? Well, this comes from the Spirit. The Spirit of God gives us wisdom, gives us understanding. He's filled with it. 
Exodus 31.3, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, says the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And so, Paul prays for them. I pray that you would have uh, knowledge, would, you would be filled with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And the reason we, he prays this is he says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. You may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. The word live here means to walk to walk, and it's a phrase that Paul uses often in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. He says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live, walk, a new life. Galatians five sixteen. so I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Ephesians 4, 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live Walk a life worthy of the calling you have received. Philippians 3.17, join together in following my examples, brothers and sisters, and just as you have used us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live. Walk as we do. And so we walk this new life. He says we may live a life worthy. The word worthy, it's a Greek word that's axios. And this word axios, it means of equal weight equal weight. Therefore, when we walk our, our life with him, we are to walk a life that is equal to the Lord's standards. We are to walk a life that is equal to the standards that the Lord has set. The, his standards are our standards, and we are to live according to those standards. And that's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy holy. God is holy, and so we are to live by his holy standard. And Paul continues, he says that we can, you know, live this life that's worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, and then he gives us examples of what this means. How will we know if we are living a life that is worthy of the Lord? Well, he tells us the first thing is that we can bear fruit, bear fruit in every good work. When we are living for him, when we are living our lives for Jesus, when we are living the way we are supposed to be living according to the word, we bear fruit. We bear fruit. We bear the fruit of the Spirit that is in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. When you are living for him, these fruits of the Spirit should be pouring out of your life in the way you love people and the joy that you have in your peaceful spirit and in your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness. All of these things should pour out of you. And it should be obvious. Another thing he mentions here is not only bearing fruit, but growing in the knowledge of God. When you bear fruit, and you're bearing fruit, and you're living for him, you start to grow in the knowledge of God. You see, the more you live for him, the more you follow his word, the more you live according to the standard he has set, the more that you grow in your knowledge of him. 
it, it makes sense, right? The more you do something, the more you start to understand it, right? Like I'm sure you, if I've, I am not good with cars, and if I just opened the hood and I said, yep, that's the problem, it's probably not the problem. What do I have to do? I have to keep learning and working and learning all about this stuff. If I want to become good at something, I have to keep learning and growing and trying to figure it out. And the more you live for him, the more you're in the word, the more you grow in your knowledge of him. You can't just say, I know everything about God, but I'm never going to open my Bible. I'm never going to seek him out. I'm never going to study who he is. That's not how it works. But the more you live for him, the more you let him take over, the more you bear that fruit, the more you start to grow in the knowledge of God. Until we reach that completeness that it talks about in Ephesians 4.13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We grow and we grow and we grow in the knowledge of him. And as we live our lives for him and we grow and grow and grow in our depth of insight and our depth of knowledge of who he is, guess what? The more we become like him, the more we take his characteristics, the more we uh, take those qualities and we live our lives for him. I always have told kids, man, the people that you are around is what you become. The people you choose to live your life around, the friends that you choose, the way the, the people that you surround yourself with, the more you're around them, the more you take on their characteristics, the more you take on their lifestyle. It's true, the more you are around Christ, the more you grow in him, the more you are, strength, or you are in him, the more you grow to live like him. And so here's the thing, this is difficult. His standards are high. His standards are high, and so it seems very, very difficult, impossible to reach. How could I possibly reach his standards? Well, he tells us that we are strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. We are strengthened by his power. We need his power to help us live our lives the way we are supposed to because temptation is strong in us, right? We are sinful, broken people. We make mistakes over and over and over again, and there are things that are constantly trying to make us stumble, and so we need help. If we want to live by that standard, we need help, and we find our help in his strength, in his power. And here's the thing. We know that our God is a God of power. First Chronicles 29, 11, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. And so we need his help. We need his power. We need his strength. And it is manifested here. It shows us in two ways, endurance and patience so that you could have great endurance and great patience. And both of these things tied together, it carries this idea of striving in the face of difficulty and trusting in him. And David said it earlier, this, God doesn't promise us life is going to be easy. He doesn't promise us that everything is going to be fine each and every single day. He doesn't promise us that things aren't going to happen with our health. He doesn't promise us that everything is going to just be fine 24-7. No, there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be hard times. There are going to be things that come up. And so we need his power because in his power we find endurance and patience. 
Romans 15.5 tells us, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. We need that endurance. We need that encouragement from him that comes from his strength, his power. And then he gives us an example. James gives us an example. James chapter 5, 10 through 11, he says, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Man, we need patience. We need, uh, and we need to persevere. We need to endure. And we have examples in Scripture of people who did just that. And then in Hebrews 10.36 tells us you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And so we seek out the full knowledge of God. And to do that, we need wisdom and we need understanding. And that comes from the Spirit. We need to ask the Spirit, Spirit, give me wisdom, give me understanding so that I can seek out your will, that I can know what your will is. And it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about what you want for me. And we need to seek that out so that we can live, we can walk a life that is worthy, equal to his standards. And to do that, we need his strength. We need his power to help us avoid those things that will keep us from living to that standard. And so he continues now into verse 12, verses 12 through 14, and he says this, And giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So he continues this example here of what our life should look like, what a life that is worthy for the Lord should look like. And he tells us that we need to give joyful thanks to the Father. We need to give joyful thanks to the Father. We have so many reasons, regardless of what your 2022 looked like, if you think long and hard and if you really reflect on 2022, you find so many things to be thankful for. You find that even in the difficult times, we have reasons to be thankful. Man, my grandpa was in the hospital, but guess what? He's doing better. I'm thankful for the progress. And my sister-in-law was in the hospital. I'm thankful that she's here this morning. And I'm thankful God has done so many good things. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 reminds us, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All circumstances. He is worthy of joyful thanks. Psalm 107.1, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And he is worthy of our thanks. He is worthy of our praise. And if we didn't need any more, he gives us some reasons why. And the first one is this. He has qualified us to share in the inheritance in the kingdom. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the holy people in the kingdom of light. Man, if you've given your life to him, 
if you follow him, if you've made him your Lord and Savior, guess what? You have an inheritance that is heavenward, that is so much better than anything that you have here on earth. The things of earth will all fade away, but guess what? The inheritance that you have is, in, is a heavenly inheritance, and it is so much better, like I said, than anything here. 1 Peter chapter 1, 3-5, through five, it tells us, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And we have a reward, a heavenly reward that is waiting for us. It'll never perish, it'll never spoil, it'll never fade. Man, we have reason to thank God because we have something so much better waiting for us. But that's not the only reason. No, he gives us another reason. And it's this, for he has rescued us out of darkness. He has rescued us out of darkness. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. He has rescued us out of our darkness, out of this life that we were living, this sinful nature. He has rescued us out of our sin, out of our darkness. And he did it through his Son. John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Jesus went and came and he lived and he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, but he didn't stay in the grave. No, he rose from the grave. And because of that, we are saved out of this darkness that we've been in. We are rescued out of the darkness. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, 7, it tells us, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Whatever your 2022 look like, remember this. In him we have redemption. In him we have the forgiveness of our sins. In him he came in and he took our brokenness, our sins, and he redeemed us. And so here we have this prayer from Paul to the people at this church in Colossae. Hey, seek out the knowledge of God's will in your life. Each and every day, seek out God's will for your life and ask God for wisdom and guidance. Ask the Spirit. Talk to the Spirit. Ask the Spirit for guidance wisdom so that we may live a life that's worthy walk a life that is worthy to the standards that god has set for us and when we start to feel like we're going to fall when we're going to stumble we can lean on his strength and give him thanks i'm going to ask the worship team to come up i'm going to ask the worship team to come up and as they do and it is a new year 2023 that 2022 chapter has been written. It is now chapter, or the next chapter, 2023. And maybe you're here this morning and you are walking into 2023 holding on to your sin, holding on to your mistakes, holding on to your regrets, holding on to the things that are keeping you from giving your life to him. And you may be thinking this morning, all the things I've done, I am not worthy of who he is. There's no way he could ever love me. And yet he does. 
He loves you. He went to the cross for you and you can come into 2023 and guess what? You can lay those things at his feet and you can give your life to him. You don't have to keep holding on to those things. And so maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to him. If that's the case, man, what better time than now? It is a new year. What a good way to start over. And so if that's you this morning on your connect cards, you can write it down. I'd love to talk with you. If you can come up here, I'd love to talk with you. Our elders would love to talk with you. And maybe you're here this morning and you're, however you're looking at last year, whatever position you're in, I want you to know it's a new start. It is a blank page. And so here's what I would encourage you to do with Paul's prayer. I would encourage you to live out what he is praying. I would encourage you to pray that prayer each and every single day. And I would pray and I would hope that you would take that and you would start writing on that page. Man, fill that page out with all the times that you said, God, I'm not going to let my will dictate, but I'm going to let you come in and I'm going to follow your will for my life and write the things that God is doing through you because you trusted his will. And write all the times that, man, God gave you understanding, all those times when you were struggling and God gave you the understanding and the knowledge of how you should live and write down those moments when you trusted him and you said, all right, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live a life that is worthy of you and write down all those times that you struggled and all those times that life was hard and all those times those things that frustrated you kept popping up write all those things down but write down how guess what through all of those things through all of the difficulties through all of the storms guess what I was leaning on his strength I was leaning on his power and guess what I persevered I went through all of it and guess what I came out the other side closer to him I endured I was patient I trusted him even when I was angry even when I was frustrated even when I was crying out God why in the world is this happening to me write all the ways that God helped you through and fill that page with all the things that you have to be thankful for when you come out of those things when you endure write down all the thanks that you have for God for what he's done in your life. God, thank you for being with my family and all the things that you've done through them. God, thank you so much for all the things that you've done in the lives of my friends, all the difficulties they went through and how they've persevered. God, thank you for everything that you've done for me in my life. God, I could never say thank you enough. And then when you write all that down, give thanks to God that he has sent his son for you. Because just as David said this morning, there is only one way. There is only one way to heaven. There is only one way that we can be saved. There is only one way that we can receive salvation, and it's through Jesus Christ. And so we praise him and we thank him for what he's done for us. If it wasn't for him, we'd be living in darkness and our lives would be destined for something horrible. But he has saved us. And this is a blank page, but I can't wait to see at the end of the year all the ways that you write down what God has done in your life. And so this morning, if you've never given your life to him, I pray that you would. This morning, it's a chance to start over. I pray that you would as we stand and we sing.